0: Already a question.
1: Hey, already a question. What's the name
0: of this lesson? This is called uh, Spirit of Accusation. Thank you. Um, it is a very relevant question. I was going to try to rewrite my notes on this teaching to gear it towards community, and then I just realized I didn't have to because accusation really just speaks for itself as we get into it. Um, so this is. This whole uh, couple months that we've been talking about community and coming closer together as a community um, and overcoming things together as a family has been really cool. I don't know about you guys, but I've really enjoyed it. We've had a lot of really cool nights. I think we've learned a lot. We've all grown closer. Uh, Tonight I'm hoping to get a little bit closer. And I'm hoping to point out um, this... Leader in Satan's army, and I'm going to poke him a lot tonight. Um, I'm going to put my finger on him. If you partner with this guy a lot, you're going to feel it on your insides. It's probably going to hurt a little bit, um, and that's okay. I was talking to I was talking to Matthew Ball earlier today. And we were talking about our favorite parts of the Bible. And we both just really agreed that our favorite parts of the Bible are are the parts that hurt ever so slightly. Because those are the parts that sanctify us. Those are the parts that hurt so good. It's like working out. Um, And so tonight we're going to look at that. Uh, I'm going to throw a disclaimer in front of this. Just like Savannah did when she taught on self-pity a couple weeks ago. Uh, I am not attacking you. I am not attacking anything that you've done. I'm going to speak from my own experiences. and I'm going to use the Word of God to tell you what the Spirit does. Now, having said that, if the shoe fits, remember, you don't have to wear it anymore. (laughs) It's the devil's shoes. They're really uncomfortable. You can take them off and put on God's shoes. So don't feel like I'm going to encourage you guys in this. Do not feel like... Don't let the enemy tempt you into feeling like I am pointing out every little bad thing that you've done. Okay? Um, so I'm going to pray. And then we're going to get started. Uh, the first verse we're going to look at is Ephesians 6, verse 12. If you guys want to go there. Um, so I'm going to pray. Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for worship. I thank you for not allowing any of our worship team to fall into self-pity, even with timing mess-ups and whatever else that may have set them off their game. Um, and uh, I thank you that they finished strong, that they pushed through it, they overcame things, and that we're all here together to learn. And we just thank you, and we give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: All
0: right, cool. So, on a spiritual level, there's a little bit of heaviness in the air. I expected that, uh, and it's gonna be okay. I'm just gonna let you guys know. If you're feeling a little weird, it's gonna be okay. By the end of the night, it's gonna feel great because you're gonna see that there, you've had this thing in the, you've had this thing in your life that isn't you, and you can get rid of it. You can get free tonight. It's gonna be cool. All right. So Ephesians 6:12. Does anybody want to read that for me?
2: Yes. I got it. For our struggle is not against what? Just
1: read it. Go. For our struggle is not
0: against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities,
1: against the powers of this world, this dark world, and against the
0: spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. Alright, cool. So the first thing before we get into this is our struggle is not flesh and blood, right? What are you guys?
2: Flesh and blood.
0: Flesh and blood. Okay. So your battle's not against you. It's not against your neighbor. This thing that we're going to talk about tonight, the spirit of accusation, is not you. It was never you. You don't have to walk in it anymore. And I'm going to hammer this home because you don't have to live with it in your life anymore. Alright? This is where that teaching of separation that we did months ago comes into handy. Okay? Because... When you learn how to separate yourself and separate other people from their sin, then you don't see them as their sin anymore. You see them the way that God intended them to be, so you can call them out of that sin in love. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, you are not your sin. You were never meant to be your sin. God created you to be very good, and now we're just in a... Sanctification is this learning process of learning how to be very good again, the way that we were intended to be in the Garden of Eden. Cool? All right. So, the spirit of accusation. Let's define accusation real quick. Accusation, according to the Webster's Dictionary, is a charge of wrongdoing, uh, uh, imputation of guilt, or blame. Okay? Um, The reason why accusation is a sin, this is a big deal, is because by accusing someone, you are telling God that he is not needed in a particular situation. You've placed yourself in his shoes by deciding what would be right or wrong for someone else. And your heart says, God, I will decide good and evil here. And then you take great joy in sharing your valuable, quote unquote, opinion with everyone else in the room. Does that make sense? Um, it's It's gossip essentially, you, you decide what's right and wrong in somebody's life, and then you gossip about that person with everyone who will listen. That's an accusation. Right? Um, let's go to revela- revela- yeah. Revelation 12 verses 7
1: through
0: 10. Um, it says... And there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great serpent, or the great dragon, was cast out, and the old serpent, called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world... He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in the heaven, "Now is come salvation, and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night." What was uh,
2: that?
0: The last one?
1: Yeah.
0: Revelation.
1: ten. Twelve,
0: ten. Twelve, ten. Okay. 12, 10. Um, 1210 is the one we're going to sit in for a little bit. It says at the tail end of the verse that uh, Satan is the accuser of our brethren. He is cast down. And that he accused us before God day and night. Uh, Satan is the accuser, and accusation is the foundation for everything that is evil in life. Um. Satan could have been called a lot of things. He could have been called the most fearful. He could have been called the most unloved. He could have been called the most rejected. He could have been called the one full of the most self-pity. But he's not. He's called the accuser. What I think is more interesting is that in this verse that John is writing, he calls the brethren his brethren, our brethren. I've gone to a lot of churches, and I've heard a lot of people quote this verse, and they always say, the brethren. But it's not the brethren, it's our brethren. This has nothing to do with the brethren. It has everything to do with our brethren. Alright, let me put it to you this way. How many of you guys have siblings? Raise your hand. Almost everyone. everyone, Does everybody have their hand raised? Haley doesn't. That's okay. Uh, Alright, so for those of you guys who have siblings, I want you to think about something for a second. You guys have made fun of your siblings, right? You joke around, you get goofy. (laughs) Alright, now think about the meanest thing you've said to your sibling as a joke. You guys have laughed about it, right? Hopefully. For the most part? Okay, now let's take this, this principle for a second. If someone you didn't know said that insult towards your
1: sibling.
2: It's we not have a, no we yeah, have a discussion. Don't
0: know why I'm to do that. Um, get John to help you. Okay. Um, so you wouldn't allow someone who's a stranger to insult your brethren, right?
1: Mm-mm.
0: All right. Well, in John 10, Jesus calls Satan the stranger, right? So why do you allow Satan to accuse your brother and in your thoughts day and night? Look, okay, God doesn't have a negative thought about anybody. He has truthful thoughts, and we're going to talk about differentiating between these in a little bit. He does have thoughts where he's like, hey, your brother's in sin, okay? We're going to to talk about that in a little bit. But his thoughts, although they are truthful, they are never negative because he is good. Right, There's no evil in him. There's nothing bad in him. And if he creates everybody in his image and likeness, even though people are in sin and may not be his sons and daughters yet because only those who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior are given the authority to become sons of God. Right, Just like it says in John 1, verse 12, he never has a negative thought about anybody. So where do your negative thoughts come from? Because they're not coming from God. And if he created you to be very good, then that must mean they can't inherently come from you as a Christian anymore. So, I'm going to ask the question again. If if the stranger, the devil, is accusing your brethren to you in your head day and night, why do you put up with it? Why don't you fight it? It's a big deal. Amen. Right? And get this. Satan, if you study the word Satan out in scripture, Satan isn't even a name. It's a title. Which I think is hilarious. It's, it's a title that means my enemy. So Satan, who was originally called Lucifer, God stripped him of his name. He does not have a name anymore. He has a title. And that is simply my enemy. He's lost his identity. So every time he comes to you accusing your and to you or accusing yourself, he's doing it because he's trying to take away your identity from you and trying to take away the way that you see others made in God's image. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is why accusation is so big. This is why it's such a big deal. Um, we're gonna go to Second Chronicles, and this is this is really cool. When God showed me this, um, well, I thought it was really cool, but uh, we'll see what you guys think. I'm still gonna think it's cool, just to be fair. But you know,
2: Second Chronicles.
0: Chapter 28, verses 1 through 4. Says, Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. But he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images of Bala Uh, Moreover, he burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed also and burned incense in the high places on the hills and under every green tree. Excuse me. So this is the king of Jerusalem, right? This is the king of Judah. This was supposed to be God's kingdom. Even though even after Israel and Judah broke apart, Judah was excuse me, supposed to reign as God's kingdom and eventually pull Israel back. Now they didn't do this. The king of Jerusalem decided to burn his own children in the fire, sacrificing them to Satan. Anytime you accuse your brethren. Not the brethren, but your brethren. You are sacrificing the children of God to Satan in the fires of hell in your mind. Mm. Ouch! It sucks, right? Yeah. It's bad, man. Do you, you know why this is this is so important to get this point across? is because accusation is the foundation for everything else that Satan will ever throw at you. It is the foundation for self-pity, right? So Satan comes to you as a spirit of self-accusation, disguising himself as you and says, you're not good enough. Your life sucks. Go complain about it to someone else. Never feel good about yourself again. Never feel joyful again. You are horrible. If that self-accusation wasn't there to begin with, that self-pity would never find its way in. When it comes to fear and like for instance uh, for a little while at our men's group we, so we were talking about the fear of man, right? Um, for those of you guys who were around fear never ever ever starts off just as fear. It always starts off as an accusation. As, as you're, you're scared of this thing so be scared of it. This person whom you haven't talked to about this issue is going to hate you And is going to reject you if you bring up this thing. So don't bring it up. What's that sound like? That's an accusation against that person. Before it ever turns into fear. We have to get this in our heads, right? Um, It's important to distinguish the difference between conviction and accusation. Alright, this is a big deal. Uh, Let's do. Who wants to read for me? I've got Psalm eighty-five, verse ten. I do All right. Um, I've got Matt uh, Hosea six, verse six. Who wants to read that one for me? I'll do it. All right. And I've got Matthew nine, thirteen. Hey Tristan, will you grab the uh, pot for me, please? Matthew nine,
1: thirteen.
0: Matthew nine, thirteen. I got it. Got it. All right. So, uh, Psalm eighty-five, verse ten. Ariel, will you read that for me? Yes.
1: Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other.
0: It's a nice little verse, right? That's super encouraging.
1: That's super encouraging.
0: Especially after I just, like, punched that spirit of accusation that's in the room in the stomach so many times and, and made it feel gross. Um, that verse is really encouraging. The thing about conviction is that conviction is specific and it endorses our value in Christ.. Amen. okay? When we should, we should feel good when we're convicted, because that's the Holy Spirit showing us that we aren't evil and He wants to separate us from the evil we've been partnering with. Does that make sense? Amen. Um, when I say that conviction is specific, Conviction comes and says, Hey, I remember this one time you did this one specific thing? Alright, good. Don't do that again.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? It's, it's specific. It doesn't leave you wondering. It doesn't leave you questioning. The Holy Spirit shows you exactly what's wrong. Mercy and truth must go hand in hand in the process of conviction. Sometimes mercy is very light. Sometimes it's just like... um, you know, if somebody <laughs> uh, <laughs> if somebody came up to me and was like, hey, Ronnie, you, you probably shouldn't fart in front of all those girls all the time. I'd be like, all right, cool, there's a lot of mercy and truth in that because sometimes girls don't like it when you fart around. <laughs> That's fine, <laughs> like, right? That's cool.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> uh, but sometimes mercy isn't as lighthearted, okay? It's important we learn the differences because sometimes mercy is very strong. Sometimes um, someone might come to you with something and because you're not listening or because your emotions are going haywire, mercy doesn't look like giving that light tap on the shoulder. Mercy looks like sitting you down and having a really hard talk. However, when the truth is presented in that hard talk, you can still feel the love through it.
1: Amen.
0: Mercy is not always ultra gentle. Does that make sense? You guys following me? Um, sometimes the most merciful thing you can do is be harsh towards someone in order to save them from what they might be doing. Okay? Uh, now, accusation and condemnation go hand in hand. They are intertwined all the time. Accusation and condemnation tends to be vague and brings with it feelings of worthlessness. It drives us away from God and our identity in Him. And oftentimes it gives us 90% truth, but 10% of the lie mixed in. But truth without mercy is always truth without love and probably means it shouldn't be given. Okay? So, like, what I mean by that is, so, if... uh, Being being specific, God saying, "Hey, remember that one time you did this one thing specifically? Great. All right. So, accusation and condemnation look like, hey, hey, Ronnie, yeah, remember earlier today when you were around everybody? Yeah, remember that stupid thing you did? What's what stupid thing? You know the stupid thing. What stupid thing? right? It's not helpful, and it turns you inward. You become introspective. Rather than focusing on God and what God is doing, you immediately look at yourself and you go, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? Why am I so wrong? Why am I so dumb? Why am I so evil? Why am I so depraved? Why did I become this way? How, why is my heart deceitfully wicked among all things? Like, how do I fix it? Well, you, you just relax and trust that God gave you a new heart.
2: Amen.
0: You know, because he did. With the tin
2: man.
0: Yeah, was <laughs> it <like> your <a> boss? <laughs> um Hosea six six. Who's got that? Who's got that for one for it? me?
2: Read it. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings.
0: Cool. Uh, so mercy over sacrifice, which is crazy, because sometimes. We think that the best thing that we can do, the most spiritual thing we can do, is sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice for God. But the two most spiritual things you can do for God is be obedient, because He desires obedience over sacrifice, and be merciful, because He desires mercy over sacrifice. So stop sacrificing things at the altar that don't mean anything to God, like your brothers, because that's what you're doing when you partner with accusation. And actually be obedient and take your thoughts captive.
1: Amen.
0: So you don't have to do that anymore. Right? Because when you're obedient and you take your thoughts captive, then you're merciful anyway. Does that make sense? Amen. Cool, cool. Matthew nine thirteen.
1: But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Mm,
0: good. I like it. I love it, man. It's so good. Um, we could sit on that, that area of, of mercy and stuff for a little while, but we're not going to. We're going to keep jumping into um, just what accusation looks like because there's a lot to it. I'm, I'm probably going to jump around a lot, but um, that's okay. The The primary goals of accusation, all right? Um, accusation is sent to make us lose our faith and confidence in God and make us feel worthless. That's what it does. All right? So, how many of you guys have ever even for a brief period of time lost your faith and confidence in God? You know, it could be it could be in a split second. You didn't get exactly what you thought you were going to get from God out of a prayer that you prayed, you know? It may not be, "Well, I lost my faith and I became an atheist or an agnostic." It could just be like, "Boom, I lost this one thing for this brief period of time." Right? That's accusation. Um, How many of you guys have ever felt worthless even as a Christian? Raise your hand. Uh Accusation. That's accusation coming your way and tempting you to feel a way that God does not want you to feel. Uh, So the first thing accusation does is it accuses God. This is big. Okay? This is huge. Uh, accusation will say things like God made me sick in order to try to teach me something. That sounds like bad theology to me. (laughs) If God made you sick in order to try to teach you something, why are you going to the doctor in order to get healed? Doesn't make sense. (laughs) Uh, If God would just save me from this situation... It's accusation. God gave you the tools for you to walk out of that situation. He gave you the power. He gave you the authority. He gave you His Holy Spirit. He's not waiting to save you. He's waiting for you to listen. If God would just deliver me from this spirit, I wouldn't be tempted so much anymore. No. That's accusation towards God. He gave you the tools. Repent. Renounce, remove it, then resist it. It's up to you to resist, not God. Right? You're not truly saved until the end. The Bible says, those who resist the devil till the end will be saved. Resistance is a part of your life now. If God really loved me, He would provide this thing for me. He would do this for me. He would do this for me. me. That's accusation, my dudes. That's not a good thing. God doesn't have to do anything for you anymore. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. He proved His love at the cross. End of story. It's up to you to accept it. That's not an accusation. That's a merciful truth. And it might come off kind of hard right now because of the subject matter. But I'm not going to let accusation... Well, I'm going to do my best to present this information to you so that you can take control of your life and not allow accusation to have it anymore. Because if you can take control of your life from accusation, then you can give it back to God and let Him work in it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. The Bible says that you cannot sit at the table of demons and of God. So tonight, we're going to leave the table of demons and go back to the table of God. Right? Um... So, if you have had accusations towards God, you have a notebook, write them down so you can repent of them. (laughs) Uh, Because for some of us, that might be a long list. I know it was a long list for me. Because when my grandfather died, I blamed God. But God's not the author of death. He's the author of life, right? Um, And so, I lost my faith in God for a long time. And I became an atheist. Atheist. And I got so good at arguing against God that I turned my brother into an atheist. And to this day, even after hearing some of the testimonies about the miracles that have happened and all the other crazy things that we do here, he still does not believe. And that's okay. That's his choice. I've done my part to repent. Um, That's not on me anymore. Uh, But I was really mad at God for a long time. And... I had to forgive God. And I know that sounds really silly because if God is good, then He can do nothing wrong. But I had to forgive Him because of the accusation that was in me. I had to forgive Him so I could let go of every bad idea that accusation had thrown at me. Not because God did anything wrong. Forgiveness is not for the other person's benefit. It's for yours. So that you can be free. Amen. You know, because there are... Um, Accusation is so good about getting into our heads that when we perceive a wrongdoing, even if, there ha- even if there hasn't been one, we still have to forgive because we thought this person wronged us. Does that make sense? Um, God will never do anything wrong. <laughs> he's, he's not the author of any wrongdoing. Uh, in Isaiah 45 or 7, it says that uh, God creates good and also creates evil in that verse in the English but the word create also means to cut down or destroy. And so that verse in the English is mistranslated. And a lot of people, mostly Calvinists, take that verse to mean that God creates both good and evil. And that's just simply not true. He only creates good. He is only good. Right? Um, it, is, it is accusing towards God to say that he creates evil when he is the author and only gives good and perfect gifts. Right? What scripture? Isaiah 45 verse 7. Um, so the second thing that accusation does is it accuses other people sometimes that can look like if this person hadn't done this and this to me my life would be a lot better if this person would just sit down and talk to me if this person would do this if this person would do that this person just very you know, if this person would just accept me, if this person would just have a conversation with me, if this person would just buy me this thing, if this person would spend time with me, if this person would do this, if this person would do that. If there is a thought that comes into your head that starts with, if this person would, and then trails off into whatever the thought is going to be, can almost guarantee you that that is accusation 99% of the time. Because a thought like that almost always accuses someone of doing something wrong. Um, Accusation says it's always someone else's fault. It always sees the worst about a person and focuses on their spiritual garbage rather than how God sees them. It prepares you to be rejected even though God's word says that we are blessed going in and coming out. And that we're accepted in the beloved and that his blood is enough. So anytime you go into a situation expecting to be rejected, that's the devil working in your life. You're blessed going in and coming out. You're accepted in the beloved. No one can can reject you unless they've already rejected Jesus. Right? And if that's the case, well then, you just pray for that person. That's okay. <laughs> um, this is this is really big in this series of community that we're we're doing right now. Right? Um, we kind of touched on this last week when we talked about covenant and what it means to be in covenant with people. If you have something against someone else, you are required to go talk to them about it most of the time. Now there are specific situations where it's probably best to just forgive them, let it go. Just let it lie so that the situation doesn't get any worse. Like if they're just a super disagreeable person and they're not following the Lord and they've like just destroyed your life, it's probably best to just be like, I forgive that person. It's time to walk away now, you know? Um, however, if you know this person is repentant, if you know that they're loving, and you can talk to them, which hopefully you can say that about everybody in this room then go to them and be like hey, I felt this way and it's, it may not be the truth and I'm sorry that I felt this way will you please forgive me um, it's a big deal you know um, <laughs> the third thing that accusation does is it accuses you alright alright Oftentimes, we accuse others because we feel the most accused. And we seem to keep accusing ourselves by saying and feeling like we're not good enough. How do you know you're accusing yourself? You know that you're accusing yourself because you become driven, you become a perfectionist, and you seem to be bearing everyone else's burden on top of your own. Accusation leaves no room for failure and will almost always come in the first person. If you cannot accept your own failures, if you cannot learn to overcome them and bounce back from them with the right attitude, it's because of accusation. Accusation will make you afraid of failure But Jesus died for sins past, present, and future. Which means there's wiggle room. That doesn't mean that you don't repent of sin. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that that wiggle room, I'm not saying that grace is a license to sin. That it's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, if you trust God and you have a relationship with Him, and you fail, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Which means there's a provision for that failure. It means that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Right? So if you fail and you're walking after the Spirit even after you fail, then that means God's there to be like, hey, it's okay. Worked all things together for your good. It's going to be cool. Chill out. Just repent. Get back up on the horse like Paul did and keep riding to Damascus. Right? Um, so let's 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 give this uh, practical example of how this works for a second. Okay, um, is my wife down here? Do you mind if I share with them the the fight that we had on Thursday a little bit? All right, cool. I have her permission now. So Thursday, Kate and I got into a fight pretty sure joey heard all of it (laughs) because he was in his bedroom right next to ours
2: (laughs) i heard the shout and i didn't hear the specifics that's okay i may not get into
0: too many of the specifics but i'm gonna i'm gonna show you i'm gonna show you guys how this works um kate and i have this is i think this was our first like official fight in the like the six years we've been together um so it was kind of a big deal uh Look at to some degree yeah it's good right it was good. It
1: was good
0: so here's how this started okay my entire week I've had stuff thrown on top of me I've been bearing my own burdens I've been bearing other other people's burdens remember how earlier when you're uh, when you're accusing yourself you're you're not just bearing your burdens you're bearing everybody else's burdens too mm-hmm. boom accusing myself right there right um, saying that I'm not good enough that I'm never gonna be good enough Um, that I can't fix other people's problems and all this other yucky, yucky stuff, right? So Kate finally gets the courage to be like, Hey, what's going on? And I started telling her what was going on. I started talking to her about my problems. I started talking to her about my brother's problems. Um, and then I got to the problems that I had with her in that moment and, they didn't come out the best way, but she asked me what was on my mind, so I wasn't going to lie to her. Because um, I think lying is worse than, well, than what happened. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: and here's how, here's how accusation works, okay? Uh, if I had just told her how I really felt, that accusation wouldn't have gotten in. But because I waited so long, what I said came out with a spirit of accusation attached to it. And I essentially told her that... the problems that I had with her... um, this is how it was interpreted... because that accusation came at her... and then she took it on and was like... oh my gosh, he's accusing me... and her defenses went up, okay? Essentially I told her that... the things that she was working through... she wasn't working through them fast enough for me. And that's not what I meant to say... but that's how accusation works. In my head... I was saying, in well, not in my head. Accusation was feeding me. If she would just work through this stuff faster, our life would be better and we would be more connected. Oh. See how accusation started with accusing me? And I felt accused, so I started accusing her. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, we yelled, she yelled more than I did, and I <laughs> sat and took it. Uh, then she threatened to leave, and I said, you're not leaving. And she said, ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm not welcome.
1: Like you not to drive my car, y'all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. But, like, you tell her not to? Oh.
0: Well, okay, so, no, hold on, hold on. This is how God worked, okay? Because in that moment, once she threatened to leave and get in her car and drive around, I saw the accusation for what it was. And I told her not to leave. And then she said, why? It's clear that you don't want me here. And I said, when did I say that? Ooh. At what point in this conversation did I say that? Because I didn't. And then she saw where I was getting at. And she said, the devil's trying to get in between us. And I don't know why it's working. Mm. Ooh. When? And then she came and she sat on the bed next to me. Then we sat in silence for 20 minutes. Can't confirm.
1: <laughs> 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 and,
0: like, and then... You're, dead, you're fighting
1: it. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh,
0: and then, I it. I, once, since I saw the accusation for what it was, I was finally able to open up with everything that was actually bothering me without accusing her. Okay, And at the end of it all, do you know what came out? Since I was a little kid, I've always felt like a financial burden to my parents. And then when I got diabetes, I felt like more of a financial burden. I don't know why God made me if I was going to be this much of a burden for people. And I feel like the only way to feel less like a burden is to make sure that I'm helping everybody else with their problems. You see how the entire fight started off with the devil accusing me. Then I started accusing Kate, and then at the end of the conversation, I was accusing God. Then I took a really long, hot repentance shower, and we had a good night because I was finally able to get everything out in the open. We also repented to
1: each other.
0: We did. Yes, <laughs> got a lot of good. Th- a lot of good things happened after the initial fight broke out. Um, but. That's how accusation works. You see how this all pieces together? Um,
1: Ronnie, if I may. Go for it. So, also, just a heads up for marriage. Ronnie's my covering. Anytime he's suffering something, so am I. Whether it's the same manifestation or not. So, because Ronnie partnered with accusation first, I did too. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: he
0: was able to repent for it, so was I. Yeah. So how that how that like translates is uh, because I wanted her to fix things the way that in the in the process that I thought it should have gone. when it wasn't happening that way, she took that and it translated into it's apparent that you don't think I'm good enough for you. And I'm not welcome around you right now. Which is why she threatened to leave. Um, and then that accusation, when it came out of my mouth, it attached to her. Because I wasn't speaking life over my wife. And in Ephesians 5, it says that husbands need to wash their wives with the water of the word. Mm-hmm. Which, the water of the word is doused in grace, it's doused in mercy, it's encouraging, it's uplifting. It's uplifting right yeah. so in that moment i was not doing that and that's why accusation was able to latch on um so and then because she felt accused right then she started accusing me and saying that i wasn't a good covering and that i wasn't covering her properly and i was like when when that hit when that hit me i was like Oh my God! Accusations in between us right now, and before I could say anything, she like she kept going. She kept talking. She got up and like put her shoes on, and you know everything else happened. And that's when I was like, "Hold on, <laughs> like relax. Let's figure this out." Um, it was good. It was a good. It was a good time. I'm glad we can be open and honest and vulnerable about this. I hope you guys can take this and learn from it because this is how the devil works. All right, we talked about covenant last week. The greatest covenant of all is the covenant that Jesus made with us on the cross. Okay, The second greatest covenant is the covenant between a man and his wife. There is no other covenant on the earth that is greater than that besides the one that God made. It is the most powerful covenant. If you and your wife pray in agreement for something to happen, it is going to happen. It may not happen right away, but I promise you it is going to happen. If you guys agree on something, whether positive or negative, it is going to happen because you're in agreement over it. So this is why so many marriages crumble, even in Christian churches, is because the devil, if he can split up the family, then society falls apart. Yep. And we see that. Um, so, And if the devil can accuse men enough to get us to stop being men and to stop being protectors and to stop being coverings, then we end up going the opposite way and create a rape culture, <laughs> which is terrible. Um, and I had this revelation the other day about this. Um, in school systems, a lot of times, uh, we're taught that we need to share. And the way that we're taught is, if I don't want to share... The teacher comes and takes what's mine and gives it to the other kid. The other kid uses and abuses my toy and then gives it back to me, beaten and broken up. I get punished for not wanting to share, but the kid who broke my toy doesn't get punished at all. Which I think is crazy. This is like public school setting, right? So if, if everything in life starts off with us as children psychologically, which is backed up by the Bible, right? In this one instance, you set these two children up for the rest of their lives. You teach the child that was willing to fight for what he believed in, fight for the thing that he loved, be a protector that it's not okay to protect the thing that he loves and not to fight for it. So he sits back and lets bad things happen. And in the moment you teach the kid who threw the, the temper tantrum that it's okay to throw temper tantrums, take what's not his, use it, abuse it, and then throw it away. So you set one kid up, the kid that you're trying to, to, to give the toy to because he's throwing a temper tantrum, up to take what's not his for the rest of his life and to use it and abuse it and throw it away. To go to excessive means... If he deems necessary. And you teach the kid that could have grown up to be the protector to not protect the things that he loves. Which is crazy. And it happens in our school systems every day.
2: And that guy who said that is gonna be here
0: June 9th. So <laughs> like what? Well, Peterson, the guy who He talks a lot about school systems. He didn't specifically say that, but as he was talking,
1: right,
0: yeah. I took that based on conversations that I've had with Kate because she's a child psycho- uh, psychology psych, psych minor um and gets really fed up with public schools and how they're run and how public schools are geared towards m- more towards females now than they are males and so they take away a lot of the things that make males men um and it's more geared towards women now which is why women are doing so much better in their schooling systems than men are and it just it's weird it completely like flips things on its head um And I don't want that to sound like I'm against women's rights or women's equality or anything like that. I'm not. What I'm saying is that when you take something bad that's happening and you go the complete opposite direction with it. And you go to an extreme. Then you've got heresy on both sides when God wants us meeting in the middle. Eve was made out of Adam's rib. She was taken from his side because they were supposed to be equals ruling and reigning together. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so, accusation is all in that situation that I just described, if you can see it and point it out based on what we just said, right? Yeah,
1: accusation was one of the key foundations of what instigated the fall.
0: It was, yeah. <laughs> Are you sure that's what God said? say? <laughs> um, so let's talk about a couple different manifestations um, of accusation. Obviously, we're looking at General accusations towards God, yourself, and other people. Um, if you see your family members accusing other people, that sin is in your family line. And even if you don't partner with it all the time, my op- I-, I always think it's better to repent and cast it out than to yeah. than to question it. So, like, if you see it, uh, you know, well, just deal with it. <laughs> um, I've done that a lot. Accusation will always create an air of offense. Where there is offense, there is accusation. Um, offense can be defined as resentful, annoyed, or frustrated because you feel insulted. And if you're easily offended, it's because of accusation. Um, let's go to Matthew 18, verse 7, for a second. Man, I'm at 47 minutes already. All right, I'll find a way to wind this down a little bit. And, and um,
1: Matthew.
0: 18 Verse 7 says, Woe to the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to the man by whom the offense comes. Uh, The word woe there means cursed. So when you take offense, you curse yourself. All right? And a lot of people, especially in the in uh, cr- political Christians, would say, Oh, well, we need to be offended by people's sins. Why? Jesus wasn't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, He was God. Yeah, but we're supposed to be just like Him. Mm-hmm. Paul said, Follow me as I follow Christ. And then he also says, be, imitated or, be imitators of your Father in heaven. God is never offended by sin because He knows what the devil is doing. And he never has a negative thought about any of the people that he's ever made. Yep. He sees what the devil's doing. Mm-hmm. He knows and he yearns for his children to follow him. okay He yearns for people to follow him. I'm not, I'm not saying that God does not see the sin. He does, but he knows how to separate the people that he created from the sin. All right? Um, so don't get offended. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Bitterness, which Matt is going to talk about next week. So uh, I'm going to to lay this out real quick, and then we're just going to let Matt deal with this next week. Um, Accusation keeps a record of wrongs to make sure healing doesn't happen. This murmuring and complaining stems from accusation and is a giant block from healing. That's what bitterness does. It's a record of wrongs on repeat. And it always starts with accusation, right? Um, which turns into unforgiveness, resentment, retaliation, anger and wrath, hatred, violence, and murder. So we're gonna we're gonna sit on the subject of murder for a little bit because this is really, this is really imperative for when it comes to community. Murder may be actual murder; it may be premeditated murder, which is murder of the heart, right? Or, and this is a big one, this is where accusation really comes in. It could be murder with the tongue. This is big. This is a huge one. Okay? Um, (laughs) Let's go to, I'm going to throw out some Bible verses. Proverbs 11, verse 13. Nina, you want to read that one for me? Yeah. Um, 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 4, Joe Burick. Uh, we're going to do 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, give me a second. Let me find it. It may not be 7. I think it's 6. I'm ready. I'm ready, boss. Hold on. Uh, 7 versus 7 through 11. I'm going to give that to Ryan Tillery.
2: 1
0: Corinthians 6, 7-11, through 11, I'm sorry. Um, and then the last one we're going to do is one that I'm going to do. So Nina, if you want to go ahead and start.
1: You said Proverbs 11-13, right?
0: Yes, ma'am.
1: Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered.
0: Say that one more time for me.
1: Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered.
0: Uh, slander is a form of murder with the tongue. Slander defined is a malicious, false, and defamatory statement or report. So anytime you speak negative about somebody that and it's not the truth, that's slander. You go out of your way to make up something about that person. That's what that is. Alright? Um, Joe, you want to read 1 Timothy 6, 1-4 for me?
2: Yes, sir. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters... Yes, and they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If many men teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrines uh, which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strife of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmi- surmisings.
0: That word evil surmisings there can also, uh, okay, so um, conceited, daunting on. Railings is defined as abusive talk in the Strong's Concordance, and surmisings is defined as suspicions. So, when you speak about somebody in the form of a suspicion, you suspect them of doing something bad to you or bad towards somebody else, being negative, that's a sin. That verse just called it out. That's a form of murder with the heart. All right? Um, your turn. Go. First Corinthians
2: 6, verse 7 through 11. Now, therefore, it is already an utter failure
0: for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated, though you yourselves do wrong and cheat,
2: and you do these things to your brethren? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor violers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God.
0: Alright, um, I think it's really funny that a lot of the times, Christians especially, take this Bible verse and use it to bash homosexuals, but the word extortioners there means gossips. And it's in the same list of sins. Bye guys. Bye. I love you guys.
1: And Lily Mae. Um
0: so gossip can be defined as casual. Get this. This is funny, right? Casual, as in like something that just happens every day. Casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed to be true. I repent. So when you're an extortioner, you're gossip. And that means you could casually be talking about other people just for the sake of talking about other people. That kind of sucks. Accusation is really tricky because it always wants you talking about everything that doesn't have to do with the deep parts of who you are. You cover up those deep parts, those hurts, those pains, those sorrows, the things that you're working through, even the good things that God has done for you, you cover them up with information about other people that may not even be true. That's gossip. That's what that does. And it's weird, because our entire lives, if you grow up in the church, you're told not to be proud, and if you're proud, you're somebody that talks about himself all the time. That's not necessarily true. Jesus was the most humble person to ever walk the earth because he was God, but man, did he love to talk about himself. A lot. More than anybody I've ever met in my life. The Gospels are riddled with the fact that all he did was talk about himself and his plans and what God was doing with him and for him. Every day. If you're going to cover up the dirt in your life by talking about other people, and you're partnering with accusation, you should be talking about what's going on with you. Because you are important. God sees you as the apple of His eye. And if you're not dealing with your stuff, then who will? If you're not celebrating the good things that God has done in your life, then who will? Amen. Simple simple truths, right? Um... Murder of the tongue can also result from innuendos. An innuendo is an indirect, uh, indirect thing that is said about a person or thing, especially of a disparaging or derogatory nature, and oftentimes comes out as sarcasm, or coarse joking, or profanity. Now, if we go to uh, Ephesians 4, verse 29, is a good one.
2: A lot of conviction right now. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, It says, "...let no corrupt communication proceed from your mouth, but that which is good to be used of edifying, that it may minister grace..." to the hearers. So, grace is defined as God's divine empowerment upon the human heart and the reflection of it in a person's life. If the things that you are saying are not inspired by God to empower others to overcome the wrongdoings in their lives, then it probably shouldn't be said. Um. There's bigotry, obviously. It's a big thing in America right now. Bigotry can be uh, defined as a stubborn and complete intolerance of any creed, belief, or opinion that differs from one's own, such as racism or sexism. Any kind of ism. That's bigotry. Um, Bigotry is a big reason why I don't think that Christians necessarily be highly involved in politics. Because Jesus says that we're supposed to serve the world, not rule it with an iron fist, and enforce all of our beliefs on other people. I think it's amazing that the first century church changed the world not by voting, not by forcing their beliefs on other people, but simply by loving. Loving to the point to where when they were burned at the stake or thrown into pits with lions, because of the love and the conviction that they spoke in those moments, people would jump fences in order to burn with them alive or be eaten by lions with them. Can we honestly say that we speak with enough grace towards people for them to feel the same way about us? This is my personal conviction. I don't think that we can do that through politics that's just me, if God shows you something different, that's okay. I'm not going to fight you about it. I'm not going to disagree with you. However, if we're truly going to change the world, then we have to change first. And the more we align ourselves with either the right or the left, the less we're able to do what God tells us to do, because both wings of the bird are wrong in some area. Yep. Okay? Um, now, Uh, Part of accusation comes with judgment and criticism. Accusing spirits set you up to believe a lie on the premise that you and those around you don't know the truth. If we look at James 4, or chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, it says, There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? That was verse 12. I'm going to start in verse 11. We're going to do this again. (laughs) Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, then you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. So who are you to judge another? That's like super convicting. It's also super harsh, but it's super merciful. Amen. Because God would rather you see the fact that you've been sitting in judgment and criticism and repent of it than to let you go to hell over it. Amen. I think that's a big deal. Um, and again, this goes back to Satan is the accuser of our brethren, right? That's what we talked about in the very beginning. Our brethren. In these verses, God is saying your brethren. He who speaks evil of his brethren judges his brother. Your brother. Why would you let accusation, why would you let the devil accuse you, accuse your brethren to you on a daily basis? Why would you let it happen? The Bible says "Um." I love what the Bible says. (laughs) Where is that verse that I want? There it is. James chapter 3 verse 8 says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, even the Father. And therewith we curse men, which are made after the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a fountain send forth the same place both sweet and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine, figs? So can no fountain yield both salt water and fresh. When we accuse people, we are... Accusing God because they're made in the image of God. Um, heavy size, right? (laughs) Heavy size. So I'm going to list a couple um, habits of accusation. All right, just 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 to point this out a little bit more. And then we're going to talk about how to overcome it. Because I I think we get the point. right? Did you guys say we get the point? Alright. So here are some some habits of accusation. If you're convinced that you don't struggle with this, I'm going to show you that you do. Uh, (laughs) And that we can all repent together. right? Um, Habits of accusation. Number one, you're suspicious of other people. That is the first habit of accusation. Number two, You project fears, and you analyze people's intentions towards you. Why do they say that to me? I know he says he loves me, but does he really mean it? If he didn't mean it, why would he say it? That's silly. It's your brother in Christ. Like, if he says it, he means it, hopefully. But it's not our place to judge or accuse people of that. So why not just believe it and let it go? Right? Um number three is a continued bitterness towards other people? Is accusation replace wrongdoings over and over and over and over and over again, right? Um, number four is bitterness when exposed to people's failures, right? We talked about this earlier. God provides grace when there is failure. If you are bitter and you react in bitterness when people fail you, it's because of accusation. You're saying that they are not good enough. Which is completely contrary to what the cross says because it reveals people's value. Amen.
2: Uh,
0: number five is mistrust of people and believing that people will always fail you. Uh, Six is believing the worst about God, people, yourself, and even the situations that you're in. Accusation can accuse you about a situation. Or accuse a situation to you. I don't want to go to work today. It's going to be the worst thing. How do you know? You haven't even gotten there yet. Your situations don't define you. You define your situations. Amen. Can you say it? Eight, six again. Uh, be, believing the worst about God, people, yourself, and even your situations. Number seven is uh, you like to be offended. You're always offended. And then you like to offend other people. <laughs> if you're the type of person that likes to offend other people just to get a ruse or get them aroused or whatever. Get it? That came out wrong. I'm sorry. I repent to all of you for what just came out of my mouth. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: to get a rise. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you, Ariel. If, if you like to offend other people just to get a rise out of them, that is accusation. That's not love. Right? Um, number eight is being easily offended yourself. Nine is... Quickly judging others based on misunderstandings. You know what's the funny thing about a misunderstanding? That just means that somebody didn't understand what was going on. And if they didn't understand, you can't blame them for misunderstanding it. All you can do is go to them and explain the situation a little bit better until they get it. Amen. That's mercy. That's grace, right? Um, (laughs) This is a big one. Uh, exaggerating offenses. Can you explain that
2: once more?
0: Oh my god, you won't believe what just happened to me earlier. Did you see what Ryan did to me? I know that all he did was stare at me and he didn't say anything, but you know what he said with his eyes?
1: <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I, <think it. laughs> I was. He said, I was.
0: Or, here's another one. Over-exaggerating situations. What well, I like to call those people storytellers? Embellishers? Do you know why you embellish, embellish your stories? It's because you don't feel like they're good enough to be heard. Do you know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like you're partnering with self-accusation. And you're not willing to tell the truth for what the truth actually is. In order for people to listen to you, you feel like you have to embellish everything. Uh, building a case against people or yourself.
2: Is that number 11?
0: I don't know, I lost it. Okay. So, when you build a case against people in your head, that's accusation. Right? Um, <laughs> if you like to turn other people against each other, that's accusation. You know, these fights that start on social media. Do you know church splits always start with accusation before they start with anything else? The first church split happened when Barnabas wanted to take Mark with him with him and Paul on a journey and Paul said, No, I don't want him because he was unfaithful and he ran away. And Barnabas said, He's a changed man because of grace. And Paul still said, No. And then they split. Barnabas went one way, Paul went the other. Barnabas took John Mark and Mark actually became someone that Paul depended upon later on in life. Amen. Which is crazy. Even Paul partnered with accusation to some extent.
1: And repents for it
0: too in one of his letters. He does, yeah. yeah. Um, re- okay, this is a big one. Refusing fellowship with other people even after they've repented. <laughs>
1: right?
0: starts with accusation. Because you're saying their repentance isn't good enough. Who are you to judge their heart? Are your brother? Here's another one. Being only focused on the evil and the bad things that happen in life and never on the good. Do you know why social media and the news are so dangerous to our spiritual state of being? And it's because both social media and the news... of the time, only ever show us what's wrong in the world and don't show us what's right. Judging others is the last point. Those are habits of accusation. So how do we overcome accusation? The first step is separation. Right? We've talked about this. We we keep throwing it up. We keep bringing it up. Matt taught about it a month ago. It's on the podcast if you want to listen to it. It's probably one of the best teachings to help you understand life as a Christian. Separation. You are not your sin. Your brother is not their, their sin. It's okay to go to your brother and say, Hey man, I think you're messing up in this area. And help lead them to repentance. Right? It's not okay to judge them. It's not okay to be critical. It's not okay for you to enforce your timing on their process with God. Amen. <laughs> forgive yourself and forgive other people. Step number two. Did you know That it takes more faith to forgive someone than it does to raise the dead. You might be thinking, well, that just sounds crazy. Well, let me tell you something. It does take more faith to forgive someone than it does to raise the dead because your feelings get in the way of forgiveness. If God's going to raise the dead, then he's going to raise them. But it takes you to forgive. Does that make sense? And it's a choice. Matt will talk about that next week. I won't get into it. If you hear something negative about someone, give God glory for their life and what is good about them. Amen. Alright, so we'll paint this out. us um, I, I ran into we had a um, exterminator come into the house the other day and like spray some stuff and just kinda of give us, you know we, we inherited some some little little critters from the last people who lived here and um so we've been having some stuff done and and uh, I walked into Joey's room the other day to let him know that the exterminator was here, and he was like, Yo, man, so I've been doing this thing where when I think negatively about this person, I just start praying for them. And I was like, Dude, that's the perfect thing to do. Alright? If you want to overcome accusation towards anyone, the first step in overcoming them is to forgive them because it's a choice. The second is be thankful for them, find a way. To pray out your thankfulness for their life. Um, I wish Justin Greek was here tonight. Because he used to be my roommate back when I lived at my old house. And in this time frame, I had a friend uh, abandon me. Um, and had some stuff going on with another friend. And every night, I would get upset. The enemy would come and tempt me. Because he loves to keep you up at night. Like. Yeah. He may not say anything like the entire day. You may distract yourself from everything the enemy could say. You laid down on your bed at night getting ready to go to the bed. And then accusation's just like, hey man, you still up? No, I want to go to bed. <laughs> all right, but remember when this person hurt you? And remember how bad your feelings feel? And you're just like, Ha ah, I'm awake now. <laughs> it happens all the time, right? Um, so these two people would come to mind and every night for hours, I would stay up and I would just say, God, I thank you for this person. I thank you for their life. I thank you for all that you're doing in their life. I thank you for... And then I would get specific. Once I named the person and thank God for their life, and I would be like, you know, I know that you're blessing him with this awesome job up in Charlottesville. I know that, um, you know, you're blessing her with people in her life that are going to bring her back to you. I know that you're doing this. I know that you're doing that. I see these negative things, but I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to call the good things to life. If you can find it in your heart and in your mind to focus on the good and pray that out loud to God. Your words create the atmosphere. Amen. And it will create life in that relationship. It will.
1: I can speak truth to that because one of those people was me at one time with me and Ron.
0: Yep. (laughs) <laughs> it was
1: Stephanie. I <laughs> "Wait!"
0: <laughs> <laughs> she was the female in the situation. <laughs> um, I try not to use names, but since she's but owned true. up to it, <laughs> but it's true. it is. Yeah,
1: it's good. Did you, you good. feel his prayers? <laughs> ah, probably didn't want to. at the time. She's <laughs> <laughs> <I'm back around. laughs> <see> here now. <laughs> true. Something was work. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, I think it's cool that a couple weeks ago when Savannah taught on self pity she talked about thankfulness How you can't be thankful and be full of self pity at the same time you also can't accuse your brethren if you're thankful for them Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's crazy Like one of the things that God says is his will like directly says hey this is my will for you in Christ Jesus is thanksgiving be thankful this is the will of God in Christ Jesus Amen. It's in I think it's in First Thessalonians where it says that. Um, we can look it up later. Anyway, so getting back to overcoming accusation, renew your mind. All right, Romans twelve two says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may see what is good and pure and is the will of God in Christ Jesus for your life." Get in the Bible, read it, even if it hurts. Because those are the those those Bible verses that hurt, that's where God is pruning you so that you can become stronger. You can become better. You can look more like Jesus. Amen. That's what those are. That's what that does. That's why they hurt. It's not because God is actually looking to hurt you, because he's a good father. Those hurt because he's looking to make you a better person. They stretch you, they pull you. Right? Um 2 Corinthians 10. We're almost done, I promise. says in verse 4, it says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations... And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You choose who you're listening to. You can either listen to accusation and accuse other people. Or you can listen to God and pull down those strongholds of accusation in your life. So that you see the best in yourself and you see the best in those around you. Everything God says about you is true. And everything He says about you, you can live if you choose to live it. Everything that He says about your brother is true. Even if they don't want to live it. <laughs> and sometimes that's the hardest part. The, other, the last step is to speak life over yourself and others. Proverbs 18:21 says, "Life and death are in the power of tongue of the tongue." And you wanna you wanna say it out loud, Nina? Oh, Sounds like you got it memorized. Yeah.
1: Bible quizzing. Um, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit it.
0: So whatever you speak out is the thing that you love, and then you'll eat the fruit of it. Because yeah. it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out.
2: Right? Yeah.
0: So if what what is what is coming out of you, that's the thing you love. Are they good things, or are they bad things? It's your choice. What do you want to eat? Right? Um, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. This verse is awesome, because it is referring to how God created the world in the beginning. Let there be light. Boom! There's light.
1: <laughs>
0: That's the big bang for you. There you, go. Yeah. you have that same power inside of you, according to Scripture. The situation doesn't define you. You define the situation, and what you speak over it changes the atmosphere of what's happening around you. So, that being said, Anybody have any questions, comments, or concerns? I have a question. Go for it.
1: So earlier tonight you were talking about, like, uh, David's son throwing babies into the fire and all that stuff. Yes. How did that connect with the lesson? I'm not quite sure how you connected.
0: So, okay, so Satan is the accuser of the brethren, Mm -hmm. right? He He accuses all of our brethren. Okay, Um, David's, I think it was his great, 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 great grandson, Ahaz, Ahaz, uh, decided that he wanted to worship Satan too, and throw his children, God's children, into the fire. And if Satan is the accuser of the brethren, if that is what his title is, right, um, then any time we accuse someone, we're throwing them into the fire with Satan so that they can burn with them. Okay, I'll get where you're you see you see how that like connects now I'm, it's I'm, I'm seeing it. it's like um, you're speaking death over them, which is death was is only designed for Satan we're like God did not design humanity to die according to scripture, and so when you speak death over a person, you're speaking the same existence over them that Satan lives out so you're you're feeding them into his kingdom of death. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I'm getting you yeah. that.
0: Okay, cool. Um, anything else? Can you give an example um when you said that God spoke the world into existence,
1: can you give an example
2: of
0: how we speak? Okay, In- yeah. Yeah, so this, this takes time. It takes the renewing of your mind, right? Um, so, when we speak, the way we speak about our life defines how we see it. Okay, so, if the only thing you say about your life all the time is how crappy it is, and you're dwelling on the bad things that happen all the time, uh, those are the things that are coming out of your mouth. And so, the more you hear the negative the more you believe it. And so you're hitting the recycling button on all the negative stuff. So you think it, you say it, because you say it, you think about it again because it goes through your ears, right? Mm -hmm. You think about it, you say it, you hear it, which causes you to think about it more. So you say it more, so you hear it more. So you think about it more, so you say it more, so you hear it more. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay, so like, for instance, let's, let's be real. We all have jobs. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right? Jobs. (laughs) Uh, Reluctantly. You freelance, that's still a job. We all have jobs. Jobs can be some of the most stressful environments if we let them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay? Accusation would say, man, your alarm just went off. Guess what kind of day it's going to be. You got to go to work, don't you? Man, here we go. What's going to happen at work today? Who's going to yell at you today? Think about it. Could be bad. I bet you it's going to be really bad. So those thoughts start to process in your head, right? So you get up. You let out a heavy sigh. Man, I don't want to go to work today because it's going to suck. I just know it. Right there, you just set your day up to be terrible. You just spoke death over your life. It was the first thing you said in the morning. <clears throat> yeah, but it's something we do every day, isn't it? Yay, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay, different scenario. Your alarm goes off and those thoughts stop playing and you get up and you say, You know what? Satan, you can suck it. I define my day. Jesus defined my day at the cross. It's going to be good. Maybe not because my circumstances are going to be good, but because God is in it and He is good and He created me to be good. Alright? So you get to work. The first thing that happens for me, because I have, I work with uh, contractors every day, almost every day somebody's mad about the work they get. I hear them out. And I have to sit and listen to their negativity every day. And uh, you know what? It's it's pretty bad some days. Some days I come home and I just feel exhausted because of it because I just got bombarded with all kinds of death and accusation. It's awful, right? Now, I have to hear them out because it's my job. You know what happens after they leave? I get to be in a warehouse with worship music and I just put on the praises, my man. I sit and I'm thankful for them. I try to be. Some days are better than others. I'll just be real. Some days are better than others. Um, I do still struggle with it a lot of days. That's why last week was so difficult for me. And uh, I start to redefine my day. This week, you guys hold me accountable to this, all right? My brakes are shot in my car. I work five minutes down the road driving distance, so I'm going to get up early every day and walk to work. I have to get up at 6 in order to walk to work every day that is already the makings for a bad week if I let it be. However, I'm not going to let accusation take hold. I'm not going to let self-pity take hold. I'm going to get up because I'm determined to take care of my body because it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to walk to work and it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to get to work and I'm going to work and it's going to be good. My installers, because none of them are Christians that I know about, are going to partner with some stuff. It's going to be difficult. It's not going to be bad. It's just going to be difficult. But I'm going to pull through. And pulling through is going to be good. Because it builds something in me. And it can build something in you too. It's just changing that perspective. It's getting rid of that accusation. Does that make sense?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Alright, cool. It's 10.08. So here's what we're going to do. All right, um, I'm gonna pray this real big prayer against accusation. Oh, yes. All you're gonna have to do is say Amen at the end of it, in agreement, and we're gonna get rid of it. Right? It's gonna be ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Mr. Burek is gonna get his guitar and he's gonna play how he loves.
1: Sloppy wet or unforeseen? I gotta know. Sloppy wet. wet. There we go. Sloppy
0: right. wet. Thank you. We're not right. Calvinists here. Amen.
1: Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What? Hey, that's later. accusation.
2: I'll
0: explain later. <laughs> Calvinists sing that version. David Crowder sings it. He's a Calvinist. So there's
2: Sloppy and like, Calvinist. What is Sloppy Yeah. Oh, no. All right, all
0: right. Bring it back in. We'll talk,
1: we'll talk about this afterwards.
0: <laughs> we'll talk about this afterwards. The recorder's still going. We're going to pray this out. <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah. We're going to worship because once we get rid of spiritual garbage, we have to. Rejoice and bring the joy back in our lives because I know this was heavy, right? How many of you guys felt like this was heavy? All right, good. People are being honest, right? You saw something in your life that was the work of the devil and you felt bad about it. Now it's time to feel good because God wants you to feel good. I could have hit a little harder. If I had more time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Ready for it. Alright. Joe you want to come in here? You good? (coughs) An hour and 30 minutes. Dang it. I didn't even go through the whole teaching. I just talked on certain things. Uh, Man. I went through the whole teaching the whole teaching would have been really big people all right um so here's what we're going to do here's how we're going to pray this thing okay just eyes eyes with the music low all right so here's what we're going to do all right in order to pray this thing out we're going to do what Jesus did when he talked to God all right the funny thing about prayers Jesus never bowed his head and he never closed his eyes And uh, anytime we're doing that, it's, well, it doesn't happen in Scripture, so why do we do it? So here's what we're going to do, okay? Uh, When Jesus actually prayed for Lazarus to rise from the dead, he lifted up his hands to God. He looked straight up, his eyes were open, because he knew that God was going to hear him. So tonight, what we're going to do, we're going to lift up our hands, we're going to look straight up at the Father, because he's a good dad. And I'm going to pray. You're going to say amen. We're going to get rid of all this spiritual garbage. And then we're going to bask in how much he loves us. And once the song's over, we're just going to have a good night. Alright? We're going to greet each other with love. And if it's appropriate, sloppy wet kisses on the cheek. Um, <laughs> if it's appropriate. That's a big if. Yeah. Big if big if. Boundaries, photos. <laughs> Permission <laughs> Consent is a big deal <laughs> I hope I made that clear earlier um, Consent is a big deal And uh, So um, If you uh, So I want to encourage you If you have accused anybody yeah. In the church If you've accused your brothers Go Ask for forgiveness If it's appropriate Alright, make sure that we're bridging the divide between us and we're staying a family because this family atmosphere that we set up we want to keep, we want to cultivate we want to keep building upon it and the only way to do that is to get rid of the accusation. Does that make sense? So um, I'm going to pray. So we're just going to lift up our hands we're going to lift up our heads we're going to Look towards the Lord. We're going to lift up our hearts. Dad, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you so much that you give us discernment. We come before you recognizing and taking responsibility for the accusation in our lives. Uh, We pin this principality down in Jesus' name. And we say that it is not welcome here anymore. It is not welcome in us. It is not welcome in our community and it is not welcome where the Spirit of the Lord dwells. And we know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And so, this Spirit of accusation is not welcome here anymore. So we repent, Dad. We repent to you. We repent to each other. We ask that you would remind us of things that we need to repent to each other for. We ask for conviction, not accusation that causes us to wander about what we did wrong, but specific. We know that you are the God of specifics, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, we repent, we renounce, and we remove the spirit of accusation from, our, from, from ourselves, from each other, and in this community. We're all in agreement over it. Dad, we thank you for everyone in this community, no matter who they are, no matter how much they frustrated us in the past. And we come before you with a heart to not just tolerate people, but to truly love them. I can't stress that enough, that love does not just tolerate people, it embraces them. And we just love you, and we thank you. And we're so thankful to be free. We're so thankful that we can think positive (laughs) things about each other. We're thankful that even though there's negative, negativity present in each other's lives that it doesn't have to be the thing we focus on and that if you call us to, we can hold each other accountable in love. It doesn't have to be terrible. It can be so full of grace and empowerment to overcome. I thank you that that's what grace is, is the empowerment to overcome what holds us back. So we just love you we come before you tonight to worship you and give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right.